This is a Saddleback Church podcast. Today we're in the fourth week of a message series that we've loved here. It's called Worthy of It All. And this has been a great series for us as a church. We've been talking about the subject of worship, that God has designed and made every one of us for worship. And we see this evidence in every facet of our lives. We see it where we we pour out our energy, our time, our money. We're constantly pouring out our lives. But the only one who is worthy of our lives being poured out is the creator of the universe, that God is worthy of our worship. And so the definition that we've been looking at for worship is that worship is my response to the living God. So when I sing songs or I surrender my life or I serve, all of these are different ways that we can worship God as a response to his love for us. Now today in this message, I wanna talk about a subject that when I throw the word out, it might not be a great word in your vocabulary, you might not think it's a positive word, but it's a biblical word and it's a very important word for how we live our lives, it's the word sacrifice. And sometimes when it comes to sacrifice, we oftentimes think about the things that we have to give up and we only think about that which we're letting go of. And today, what I wanna focus on with sacrifice, my message is titled, The Sacrifice You Won't Regret. I wanna talk about how often we sacrifice the wrong thing and we don't receive the kind of life that God intends for us to receive. And I wanna share it like this. So this last week, um, Stacy and I, we were in our garage and we're cleaning up our garage now. And we've been here in Southern California for 16 months and now we're going for it. And we bought a bunch of big containers and Tupperware and we're kinda stacking things away and getting rid of stuff. And when we moved here, uh, we came from the Bay Area. It was like in a fury. Uh, It was just too much grief at once to start throwing like 14-year-old soccer balls away and stuff like that. So we're doing it now. And as we're cleaning out the garage, I've got this old container that's a treasure box. And this container contains things from my whole life that have kind of stacked up, things that I've held on to. Does anybody else have one of these treasure boxes at your house? And actually, truth be told, I didn't want to go through, I told Stacy this in case you're wondering, she's not in the service today, this is not a secret. I didn't want to go through the box because I thought it might still contain some notes from girlfriends before I got married to Stacy. (laughs) And not on purpose, it was just like there was never a good time to throw the notes away. So... I was reluctant to go through the box, but I did. Those notes are gone, by the way. I don't know if I threw them away or Stacy threw them away, but they're gone. <laughs> and, and I started opening the box, and there's a lot of things inside of here that I actually don't even remember, but when I started going through, I was like, oh, I, I, now I remember that. And so I'll show you a couple of the things that I remember now after seeing them. This first one is a picture book that my parents put together for me when I graduated from high school. It has a bunch of really cool pictures from early in my life, and this is one of my favorite pictures right here. This is me as a little boy. And somebody said, that's the cutest you've ever been in your entire life, right there. And that's the most I've dressed up since that point. And so it's unusual to see me in a tie, but there I am, that's what I look like in a tie. So it's got pictures of my brother and me. I've got a lot of really cool pictures of my friends, and that's a really special book. Now also, in addition to that, I found this little, this little banner. Must have gotten it at like Chuck E. Cheese, it's with my brother Josh. It says Andy and Josh, what a pair. So that was, that's cute. Got a Mickey pin there, I don't know why. Maybe we were at, Dis- at Disney when we took that picture. Um, I found this newspaper, this is important. Um, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. I was a big Pistons fan growing up and there was one point where we swept a team. If you look close, you'll see it was 
the LA Lakers that the Pistons <laughs> swept. So um, I don't want to, I don't want to be booed off the stage. I love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's amazing. You know, Magic Johnson. They're all awesome. But I like the Pistons more. So they swept the Lakers in 1989. That was awesome. Okay, a couple more fun things. This is my football jersey here, and this is what I wore when I was in high school. Last name Wood, still my last name. <laughs> Almost 30 years later. Um, actually, th 25 years later. That was bad math. Okay. Um, this right here, y'all will love this. This was my wrestling singlet. <laughs> I thought I could preach in that, and then Stacy told me no. She said, you can't do that. So, wrestling singlet. Um, I got a couple other things. This here was a journal with prayers on it, and I just started reading through some of my old prayers that I'd written when I was in high school to God, praying and crying out for God to use my life, and it was just very special to me. And then there was one final one that I thought was really cool. This, I had a letter from a teacher that she wrote me when I was in high school, and I held on to it. And it kind of reminded me of the importance of what we do with NextGen and all of our leaders that invest in students and kids, that one word could shape a kid for the rest of their life. Now, all this stuff, I'm sure you have a box. How many of you guys have a box like that? I actually already asked that, so I asked you again, because I forgot, okay. So you've got a box like that. And the, the thing that I was really contemplating is why did I hold on to some things and not get rid of them, and then why did I get rid of some things and not hold on to them? And our life is a series of what we collect and hold on to and what we let go of. That we're constantly in life, not only physically holding on to things, but emotionally we hold on to things. And spiritually we hold on to things. And sometimes the regret in our life comes because we let go of the, the wrong thing and we hold on to that which we should not hold on to. And a part of living with greater peace and freedom, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and stepping into the kind of worship, our lives worshiping God, is to understand at the core what we sacrifice and what we hold on to is a very important decision. And Jesus would say this, Matthew chapter 10, verse 19. He says, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. Like if you're constantly trying to hold on to your life, you will end up empty at the end. But if you give up your life for me, Jesus says, you will find it. So the invitation from Jesus is to let go. It's to surrender and sacrifice. And in surrendering and sacrifice, we find our life in him. We find joy, meaning, and purpose as we let go. Now I'll give you a definition of sacrifice. This is important. To sacrifice is when I give up something valuable for something of greater worth. So when I let go of something of value, perceived value, for something of greater value, that's sacrifice. And it reminds me, so I worked for my dad right before Stacy and I got married. And I, my dad owns a plumbing company, and he would send me out into the field with his guys. And there was this one guy I would go out with often on jobs, and when we'd be there, I would like walk on to the job. I, I was literally counting down the days to get married to Stacy. I would say, oh, 65 more days till I get married. And I was so excited. And this guy who was on his second marriage and not pleased with it would say to me, just run away. Just get out of it as soon as you can. Like, get out of the marriage before you ever get into it. And every day, he'd be like, you're losing your freedom, your freedom's going away, and he was constantly trying to talk me out of getting married. Now, it's not great to take marriage advice from somebody that hates marriage, right? Um, 
But I will say to you, over 20 years later, I am happily married to my wife. And there was, there was a letting go, but there was something of far greater worth that I received. And it's only in understanding sacrifice connected to treasure that I'm able to step into letting go of what God is inviting me to let go of. Because sacrifice only makes sense when I understand treasuring. See, to treasure is when I hold on to something of great worth. And the invitation from God today is to find that which is most valuable and hold on to it. And discover that which can be let go of in order to step into the fullness of the life that he's inviting us into. And so often we're holding on to things that are standing between us and God. And I want to read today a story found in Luke chapter 5. I love this story. Now in the story we're going to see Jesus call his early disciples to himself. There's one guy by the name of Simon. And Jesus would later change his name to Peter. And Peter became the rock. His name Peter literally means rock. So he's like Rocky. And Jesus would call him the rock because he would be a rock that Jesus would build on with his church and his ministry. And Jesus would call Peter in the story to himself, but it starts off where Peter is fishing. He's doing what he does every day. He's out by the side of the lake, Lake of Galilee, Sea of Galilee, and he's fishing, and his boats are there, and he's gonna have this interaction with Jesus. Now watch as the story unfolds how Peter is making decisions to let go. He's making decisions to sacrifice. In verse one of chapter five, it begins like this. It says, one day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God, and he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. This is important, Jesus is teaching. So when Jesus shows up onto the scene, he shows up as a teacher. He shows up as a rabbi. It literally is like a pastoral role. And as Jesus is building out this group of followers, his way of building his group of followers was very different than most rabbis. See, rabbis would have an invitation process where people would try to apply and they would go to school and they would would literally have to pay money and it was like this really prestigious way to get into a rabbi's cohort. But Jesus is like out in the open air, hanging out with fishermen, hanging out with businessmen, and he's there at the Sea of Galilee teaching, and he's in two boats, and there's a group of fishermen over on the side. They're cleaning up their nets because the day's over. So they've been fishing all night long. It's not really working very well. They're done. They clean up their nets, and they're about to go home. And these two boats that Jesus is in, it says after stepping into one of the boats, we see who the boats belong to. Jesus asked Simon, who would later be called Peter, its owner to push out into the water. Now this is a test. Like am I gonna let Jesus borrow my boat? And this is a test that God will often take us through with our possessions here on this side of eternity, our house, our car. Am I gonna let God use my stuff for his purposes? Now Peter lets Jesus use his boat, so Jesus sits down in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. So there's an invitation to Peter to go out into deep waters, take his nets, and drop them down. Now this is after Peter's been fishing all night. He's he's been working. He's, He's folded up already for the day. He's got his nets in his book bag. 
He's ready to go home. He's got his car packed. He's ready. This is like if your boss walks in and says, hey, uh, I know you're going home. I know you put your, your computer away. It's, I know, but we've got a Zoom call we gotta hop on, and it's gonna be four hours long. Come on out. And you're like, no, I'm done for the day. And Peter, in this process, he's understanding who Jesus is. So Jesus is revealing himself to Peter. He's revealing himself to the disciples. It starts as a teacher, but now there's gonna be this interaction, and Peter looks at Jesus after Jesus says, let's go out and put down for some fish. And Peter responds, Master, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. So we've been going already, we've, not, we, we've been unsuccessful in our effort to catch fish, and I'm ready to go home. But there's another line that Peter puts in here, and this is so important. This, this moment for Peter is a moment of obedience and trust in Jesus, and he says, but if you say so, if you say so, we will put out and go to the, where the water is deeper. And it says here, as he moves out into the water, so Peter is responding with obedience to the call that Jesus asked him. And as they go out, it says that they went out, and this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in from the other boat, and soon both boats were filled up with fish on the verge of sinking. So here's this scene, a moment ago the boat was empty and they had been working all night, been unsuccessful, now Jesus is in the boat and all of a sudden the boat is filled up, there's a miracle that has happened. And Peter understands this is not just an ordinary guy, he's moving in his understanding of who Jesus is. Jesus is revealing himself to Peter. And notice, it says he was awestruck by the number of fish and as he's awestruck, he cries out, Oh Lord, please leave me, for I am such a sinful man. Now this is Peter recognizing Jesus is, Jesus is God. He's, he's sinful, Peter, and Jesus is perfect, and he's bowing down. He's awestruck after this miracle, the power of Jesus. And as he falls down at Jesus' feet, he's crying out, I'm sinful, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. And now his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee were also amazed, and Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. So he lifts his vision, and he says, your whole life, your purpose was fishing for fish, but now I'm gonna call you to fish for people. Your life is gonna have a greater call on it. And this last line, this is what I wanna focus on. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, don't mistake, this is Peter walking away from the family business. Don't mistake, this is Peter walking away from the largest catch of his life. This is like if you're a salesman and somebody walks in or a saleswoman hands you a $300,000 check and says, congratulations, you got the deal, and you lay the check down and you walk out. And that's what Peter does in this moment. And in this moment, he makes a decision that completely alters the trajectory of his life. He lives with freedom and purpose, and his life makes a difference based on this one choice, this one decision. Now, what does this mean for us? I think practically speaking, when it comes to sacrifice, there are key decisions that we make along the way, and I wanna get very practical 
today. And the first one is this decision to pursue my deepest desires over my strongest desires. Peter's strongest desire in the moment would have been to go home and get some sleep. His strongest desire would have been to not pull back out everything that he had already cleaned up. But in the moment that Jesus says put out into the water, Peter makes a decision and he goes after a deeper desire against his surface desire. He chooses a deeper desire over a stronger desire. Let me explain it like this. This week is Thanksgiving, and there will be some strong desires for good food this Thanksgiving. And I don't know what you eat in your household, but my wife, Stacy, she makes this amazing chocolate pecan pie. And at the bottom of the chocolate pecan pie, there's like an inch of chocolate. It's so good. She mixes it all together. She puts it into the oven. She pulls it out. It's warm. You throw ice cream on top of it. You eat it. It is as close to heaven, this side of eternity, that you will get. And she makes like three or four of them. And I'll take a couple of them and put them in the fridge so nobody else knows that they're there. And then I'll save them for later. And then I'll eat them. Now, this year, this year, I've lost 10 pounds since July, and I've got this internal battle going on. Is my stronger desire for pie gonna win out against my deeper desire to be healthy? Now, I'm gonna have a piece of pie, but the question is, am I gonna keep having pieces of pie for a week straight? Which desire is going to win? And this is the battle that we go through in our lives. There's, there's the strong, immediate desire on the surface and there's the deeper desire. And most of our regrets in life come from when the strong desire won out against the deeper desire. And what Jesus would often do as he was teaching is he would challenge people to ask the question, what do you want with your life? What do you desire? What are the deeper desires? Maybe that deeper desire is for a healthy marriage. Maybe that deeper desire is to invest in the next generation, your children and grandchildren. Maybe that deeper desire is to be free from an addiction that you've carried for decades. And that deeper desire has to drive our decisions if we're gonna live with the kind of freedom that God invites us into. And sometimes there's a strong desire that has to be sacrificed for a deeper desire. Galatians chapter five, the apostle Paul says this. He says, hold on, let me get to it. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So here's a question to reflect on this week. Am I pursuing what I desire most over what I desire now? And you might even ask the question, where are those two in competition with one another? In addition to chocolate pie on Thanksgiving, where are those two desires at war, and the joy, the freedom that God is inviting us into is through his help to choose the thing that we want at a deeper level over what we want now. So it begins with making the choice to pursue my deepest desires over my strongest desires. The second point is that I wanna invest in what's eternal over what's temporal. Jesus is the king of heaven now. He's seated on his throne. He conquered the grave victoriously. He paid the price for our sins. He, he lived a perfect, sinless life. I'm going backwards. But when you get to Peter, 
in Luke chapter five, he doesn't know all this stuff. Like he's learning, he's discovering. But one glimpse of who Jesus is with his miraculous power is enough for Peter to walk away from it all and choose to follow Jesus. He's choosing what is eternal over what is temporal. He's choosing to follow the one, the Messiah who's come and has been prophesied for hundreds and thousands of years. He's choosing to invest his life in that which is eternal. And Jesus would often, with his teaching, call people back, call his followers back to that which is eternal. Matthew chapter six, verse 19, Jesus would say, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. Now, whenever I read this passage of scripture, this is like the curse of having an ADHD mind. It's also a blessing sometimes, but I always read that part that says where moths eat them. And I'm reminded of a time when I was in high school, there was this kid, has nothing to do with my sermon, but it's good. I gotta laugh all the other services. I'll figure it, I'll share it. Uh, he, would, he would come in and he would smell so bad. And I'd be like, bro, why, why do you smell so bad? It wasn't like body odor, it was just this real like chemical smell. He's like, oh, my mom puts mothballs in all of my clothes because moths eat my clothes. So when I read the Bible, I always think, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and you have to put mothballs in your clothes and rust destroys them and thieves break in and steal. But store for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy them and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So what Jesus is saying is, is you have a treasure box, like you're investing your life, you're putting things inside of the box, you're storing up treasure, and the question is, are you storing up here on earth, or are you storing up for eternity in heaven? So every act, every decision that we make to invest our lives in eternity with our time, talent, and treasure is a decision where we are storing up for eternity. So there will be people, we've been praying all year as a church for our one life, and we've been saying, what if our one life impacted one life for eternity? And there's so many of you that God's used you this year and people have made decisions to follow Jesus. There will be people that have decided to follow Jesus because of individuals like you at Saddleback that prayed for them who they decided to follow Jesus in eternity will walk up and say thank you for sharing the good news of Jesus with me. And that's what happens when we invest our life in eternal things. There's a war in our hearts. And let's be clear, Jesus is speaking in particular about the battle with money. He's speaking about the love of things on planet Earth that we give our lives to that make us not pursue what God cares about more deeply. And the question I, wa I wanna wrestle through on this one is, what does my life say that I value? Like, what does my life say? You could ask what does my wife say as well too, but what does my life say? that I value and treasure. And I, I think some of these stats are really interesting. I kind of pulled some stats this week. In the United States alone, there's $960 billion that will be spent on the holidays. So between now and the end of the year, $960 billion. And Hong Kong, since we're talking about all of our campuses, Hong Kong, $195 billion is spent on fashion each year. In Europe, 288 billion euros is spent on travel. In Argentina, 81 billion Argentine pesos is spent on sports. 
in the Philippines, 382 billion Philippine pesos is spent on electronics. And globally, 2.6 trillion US dollars is spent on entertainment every year. So we pour out a lot with our lives. We give money to things that are temporal. And it's not bad to go to a movie or a concert or a sporting event, but if that's the theme of our life, we miss the great call that God is giving to us to invest our lives in that which is eternal. And Jesus said, if you'll pull that verse back up, he says, as you store up treasures in heaven, you're storing up for eternity, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when I give my money to something, my heart follows. I started investing in individual stocks a few years ago, and I've got this little app that I can buy stocks on, and there are certain companies that I bought the stock. I never cared before about Walmart's board meeting until I bought one stock of Walmart. Now all of a sudden, my eyes are on that. And there are things that when we, we invest in them with our lives, when our money goes to it, we start caring about it at a heart level. This is why, listen, this is why Jesus hammers so much, why he comes back over and over again to money. Like Jesus taught about money more than anything else because money wars for our heart, it wars for our worship. And we give ourselves to the things of this world and what God says is there's a way to live that you release the things of this world to take hold of that which is eternal. Now I'll be honest with you, coming to Saddleback, so this is the third church that I've, I've had the privilege of pastoring in. So started two churches, one while I was going to seminary, Stacy and I did that for five years. Then we moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, thought we would live there the rest of our lives, pastored there for 14 years until God called us here. And now we've been here for about 16 months. In the first two churches we started, uh, there was never a challenge for me really to talk about money because it's like when we start from scratch, I, I want people to be free financially. I want people to have the joy of walking with God in their finances. And so as we started the church, we'd talk about it, and that was part of my role. But coming here, it's been hard, if I can be vulnerable, because I don't want you to misinterpret my heart. That when we talk about finances, it's so easy to think, oh, it's all about what the church wants and is asking of from me. But the journey of generosity that Jesus calls us into is not about what the church or God needs from us. It's about what God is trying to give us in a life of generosity, that there's so much more that God is inviting us into when we release the things of this world to take hold of that which is eternal. And it begins by just starting to trust God. Some of you have never taken that step. You can start, you can start trusting God at some level financially and say, God, I'm gonna give back to you, but it moves into what we call the threshold gift that is really the tithe that in the Bible we believe God teaches the first tenth of what we give goes back to him. It's so important. But from time to time, God will invite us into seasons of offering. And the Bible has all these different moments of when the people of God, the church, would respond with an offering that was kind of this overflow, above and beyond, because of my gratitude for what God has done in my life. I thank him with my giving and my generosity. And right now, as a church, we're entering into a season at the end of the year of gratitude, of overflowing thankfulness for what God has done in our life. Now, historically, in the past, around this time of year, we've done a Thanksgiving offering and a Christmas offering. 
But this year, we're combining this above and beyond offering. We're calling it the overflow offering. And you can find out more details about the overflow offering at our digital program. It has all the things that we need to know. Uh, some of the vision initiatives that we're gonna be pursuing with the overflow offering. But I want today, for just a quick moment, if I might, before I move on to the next point, I wanna share with you one of the vision initiatives that we believe God is calling us into next year as a church that's connected to the overflow offering. Now, you'll remember I shared this. We, we started two churches, and at the, at the core for me, I deeply care about seeing other new churches get started and this is in the DNA of Saddleback. Saddleback has really been a church-to-church -church vision, from, has had a church-to-church -church vision for decades that we deeply care about other churches. And we do this locally, nationally, and globally. We pray, we give, and we go. That's our strategy. And we, we've done it, you've done it, I should say, for decades as a church, many of you. But what God is inviting us into next year, I believe, is an emphasis on North America national missions through church planting. A church planting is different than starting new campuses. Starting new campuses are Saddleback locations. We have about 20 of them. But there are places that God is not calling us to go that still needs a vibrant expression of the local church. Now you might think, why do we need more churches here in the United States of America? I will tell you that every year there are 4,500 churches that are closing their door in North America. There are only 3,000 churches a year right now that are being started. So that's a net deficit of 1,500 churches. We'd have to start 1,500 churches every year as a church to cover that deficit. Now we can't cover that deficit yet, but we can cover a part of it by saying, God, we're gonna invest in new flagship churches in highly unreached areas of North America where great leaders and great teams are going that care about the purposes of God, that are focused on reaching people who don't know the love of Jesus, that can impact a region with his love and good news. And we started this last year. So at the end of the year, we did this Accelerate offering you gave above and beyond. We were able this year to invest directly into 10 churches that got launched in 2023. I want you to see on the map some of these churches where they're from. There's one from Goodyear, Arizona called Purpose Church, conveniently. And there's some others from the East Coast, South Florida, Northeast United States, and the San Francisco Bay Area, Michigan. They're, from, they're all across the country at this point. And we've been investing in them by praying for them. And, and now, in this year, we're gonna continue to partner with those brand new churches but we're gonna take on another 10 churches, help start 10 more churches that have already been assessed, the leaders and teams are ready, and we're gonna start sending trips to these churches. And I want you to see the other 10 that are laid and stacked on top of here, that next year as a church, Saddleback is going to directly invest in 20 new churches that are getting launched and reaching communities all over North America. I'm excited about that. I'm excited that, that there will be people on the other side of our sacrifices that say thank you in eternity for us giving of our lives. Now, we get the privilege right now, I want you to hear me, we get the privilege of sitting in other people's sacrifices that have gone before us. 
And in the 43 years of our church's history, there have been so many families and so many people at pivotal moments that have laid it all on the line for the sake of the vision that God was giving to our church. I've heard stories in the early days of families that would sell houses and downsize and give the equity so that we could move into the Lake Forest campus and so that we could start new campuses across Southern California and globally. And there were others that would empty out savings accounts sacrificially. And there was one guy, I heard this story, where he had a TV and he would watch a lot of TV and he said, you know, I can give up TV for a season in order to reach somebody that doesn't know the love of Jesus. I'm gonna sell my TV, give the money away, and I'm gonna take this physical, temporal thing and give towards eternity. And you know what, this guy is no longer alive. He's in heaven with Jesus. And I guarantee you, he's not up in heaven saying, oh, I wish I could get that Samsung TV up here in heaven. (laughs) He's up in heaven praising God in the fullness of his glory, and that which he let go of is so small compared to that which he has taken hold of. And there's an invitation that God is making to us as a church in this season at the end of the year to give above and beyond our regular giving, and it leads me to the final point, and in in doing so, it's to receive the greater reward that God is inviting us into. There is a greater reward than the things of this world that God calls us into. Across the board, God wants to give us so much more than just the physical world. He wants us to know him and experience his joy, his peace, and his freedom. And I love this line in Matthew chapter 19. As Peter is at the end of his life, and in the story there's a rich young ruler that Jesus says, if you wanna follow me, go sell all your possessions, come and follow me. And the Bible says in Matthew 19 that the rich young ruler walked away sad because he had great possessions. He could not let go of all of that to take hold of Jesus. And Peter says, well, we, we left everything to follow you in Matthew 19. And he says, well, what will we get? Like this joker couldn't depart with all of his possessions, but we gave it all up for you. And Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is the line I want you to hear. And everyone who's given up, everyone who's given up, everyone who's let go, everyone who's sacrificed, everyone who's given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a 100 times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Jim Elliot would say, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And Jim Elliot would give his life for the mission, the good news of Jesus. And the invitation for us is to release in order to receive. In order to receive God's greater reward, I must release whatever threatens first place in my life, whatever it is that is occupying first place, God will not contend with it. He is the one who's worthy of worship. He is the one who's seated on the throne of heaven. He is the one that has created the world with a spoken word. He is the one that is worthy of our lives and what he's after is our heart. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our sacrifice. 
our sacrifice that is connected to obedience prompted by God makes space and way for us to step more into the fullness of what God wants to do through our lives. And throughout our history, Saddleback has been such a generous church. There's so many of you that you've lived this and you've seen it come to fruition in your life that you've trusted in God. And I would just say there's a new generation of us that are seated in somebody else's sacrifice that God is calling us to sacrifice. I remember walking around the Lake Forest campus and the first time I came here, I actually came to, to pastor the church not seeing everything. So it was like real secret when we came and we couldn't like walk the campus. And the first time I walked, I was so blown away by the Lake Forest campus. I mean, it's just unbelievable, beautiful, so many wonderful things, buildings. And I was thinking to myself, all of this happened because somebody, somebody's sacrificed along the way. And is it possible in this generation to lose a sense of urgency because we don't have to be the ones that have to sacrifice? But on the other side of our sacrifice in this season, at the edges of our church in the Philippines, in Santa Rosa, there's a campus that is busting at the seams. And they are crying out to God for more space to reach more people with the good news of Jesus. This is true across the board. At the edges of our church, God is doing such great things and he's asking us, he's inviting us in this season to release in order to, be, to receive. And the question I wanna leave you with is what is God asking me to release in order to receive his greater reward? That's the last blank. I know some of you, you gotta get it before you leave. That's the last blank. What is God asking me to release in order to receive his greater reward. God has a greater reward for you. He has a greater reward for your life. Stacy and I, we were meeting with this therapist during COVID and we have a tendency in our family to take our kids out for treats when they, like, when they do something, like let's say they win a game or they score a goal. And the therapist was like saying to us, hey, th that's kind of messed up. We're like, why? I mean, thank you for your candidness, helps us really receive it, thank you for the feedback. But she said, you know, part of the reason why that's not good is because you're teaching your kids to associate the treat with what they've done. It's like a dog, you know, it's like you give them a treat. It's not good parenting. And she said, what I wanna encourage you to do is to make the reward time with you being together. Now this is not in replace. It's not like, well, if you get an A, then we'll get to spend some time together. Rest of the week, you don't get to see me, but get an A, buddy. But the point she was making was that the reward, you want the reward to be the relationship. Let me say that again. You want the reward to be the relationship. So the reward that God is inviting us into is more of his presence, more of his power. Genesis 15, 1, when God calls Abraham to leave everything that he knows, to go from his family to a new land that God will show him, God says to Abram in Genesis 15, 1, he says, do not be afraid as you take this journey. I am your shield. And then the last line is, I am your very great reward. So the reward is me, God says. So at the end of worship, it's God. It's, it's you and God. It's that relentless love of Jesus that's been pursuing you your entire life that is wooing you and inviting you. And everything in this world, when it's let go of, everything in my treasure box 
when I let it go for the sake of the greatest treasure, Jesus himself, Peter pushes away the boats and says, I'm gonna leave everything and follow after him. It's a high call. It's a call from come and see what I'm doing to come and die and give your life. And I'll say to you, there's nothing in this world that is worthy of your entire life aside from Jesus. And he is inviting us in this season to release in order to receive. So this season, I wanna challenge you with my whole heart. I wanna challenge you. Pray through, what is God asking you to give up? And together as we, as a church, give during this end of the year to the overflow offering, I wanna ask you to ask God to give you a number of what he wants you to do, how he wants you to be a part as we say, God, everything we have is yours. You are worthy of our entire life. You are worthy of our sacrifice. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this good news that we can release in this world and receive, God, the life that you've called us into. And I pray for our church family that this would be a season that we don't shy or shrink back from the life you're calling us to. A life as collectively as a church emphasizing and focused on your kingdom and your great commission and locally, nationally, and globally spreading your good news and giving up of ourselves so that somebody else can encounter you, so that eternity can be impacted. Help us as a fresh generation of Saddleback to be the people that say yes to you with the sacrifice that you call us into. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app to see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more Weekend Message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.